Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at nbnrpodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Otter. He's a junkyard dog. Hey, Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> get mad. You went to go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad. G-B-R. No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 33. Guys, we are once again in the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room, 108th and Harrison in Lavista, Nebraska. I myself am <laughs> drinking the Shaking Bake Orange Vanilla IPA. The two fellas to my right are drinking the Ale Storm. Guys, what should the listeners know about the Ale Storm? So the Ale Storm, we, we, I think we've talked about before. We call it the baseball beer for a reason. It's made for the Omaha Storm Chasers, the AAA affiliate for the Kansas City Royals. Go Royals. But it is a very refreshing, light summer beer, very easy to approach. And, you know, it's a beer for the everyday drinker. Yeah, absolutely. It is such a smooth beer. Connor and I are drinking it right now. And talking about us drinking that Ale Storm, we went to opening day at the Omaha Storm Chasers game at Warner Park. And they had a big tailgate party here for Nebraska Brewing Company. Uh, we had some ale storms in the parking lot. We went into the game, had some more ale storms on the inside of the stadium. And Connor, they have more than just ale storm at Warner Park. What else do they have there? So right now, they also have our Cardinal Pale Ale, which is a must. Uh, we have a rotating IPA handle, which is actually that shake and bake that Jerry was just talking about is a member of that series. Right now, it's our permanent record, one of our most popular juicy IPAs we've made. Shake and Bake, I believe, is on the schedule next. It better be. Uh, and then I believe Gimme S'more is hanging out in there, too. We have a number of different beers around the stadium that I highly recommend checking out. And, Connor, can you tell the listeners, so if you're interested in going to a Storm Chasers game, on Thursdays, they have a thing called Thirsty Thursdays. Do Nebraska Brewing Company beers qualify for Thirsty Thursday? They do. So they've upped prices a little bit this year. So they used to be, I believe, dollar cans, I believe. And don't quote me. I think they're $2 this year. But oh, my gosh. Oh, my break in the bank. $2 Ooh. for a premium beer. I, I think I think it's okay. But they do. Our Ale Storm cans do still qualify for that. So definitely get in there. We are down the third baseline. We have our own little bar out there. Definitely go down there and grab yourself a can and enjoy a game. So what Kyle wants to know, do you guys have Taco Vesa there? Not yet, oh. but it's coming. Oh. Kyle, it's okay. Kyle. Hey, hey, listen here, fellas. The L Storm used to be a go-to for me last season, so I'm yeah, I'm down with the L Storm. That's fine. Okay. No, no taco visa for for Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> we lost probably two listeners right there. <laughs> so, guys, speaking of the Storm Chasers, are we gonna plug this whole uh, event that we got this coming Thursday? Yeah, so the guys uh, at No Block No Rock are going to be at the Storm Chasers game on Thursday night. The game starts at 6.35. And yeah, if, if you guys come down there, say hi to us. We'll be tailgating in the parking lot before the game. And uh, we're actually going to be setting up a future tailgate with the MBNR crew. So uh, more to come on that. But yeah, if, if you guys like Nebraska Brewing Company beer, this is a awesome opportunity for you. So, And that's going to be April 28th. Correct. Yeah, that's when we're okay. going to be there. We're going to be there this Thursday, April 28th, but we are going to be scheduling a future tailgate party for any of the NBNR listeners that want to come and hang out and watch a little baseball. And I heard some prizes might be involved with yeah. that tailgate. Yeah, absolutely. There could be some uh, some giveaways, maybe some beer, maybe some koozies, maybe a hat or two. So yeah, yeah. this is uh, 
more to come, but we cannot wait to share the information with you as it comes available. Yep. Listeners, be on the lookout for that on all our social media. But we have a really awesome interview coming up. Mike Farrell, the self-proclaimed godfather of college football recruiting, is coming on the episode. And he talked to us about not just NIL nationally, but we got into you know Nebraska recruiting and his thoughts on the upcoming season. And for some of you out there, you might not like what you hear, but it's what you need to hear. Yes. The, like we have strived to say, we are the chaser to the Kool-Aid that is flowing a very heavy, especially after spring ball. Mike very, Farrell very, is very heavy flow. Yes. Mike Farrell is NBNR on steroids when it comes to the chaser to your Kool-Aid. He is dumping a gallon of water on you to make sure you did not taste any of the Kool-Aid. But it's okay. You need to hear it. Dude, don't give a rat's ass. It truly was like very informational. Like I myself found myself just like staring at the screen talking to Mike Farrell. I couldn't get any words in because I was just like, dude, I'm learning a lot here. Like I don't, you know, there's a lot that, that he that he covers that, you know, we were very curious about. Yeah, he made some points about NIL where we normally, we hear how Nebraska is awesome and they're at the forefront. But then he kind of counters that with his own point. And I think you guys should stick around and hear what he has to say regarding that. And what do you guys say? We we shut up and we just get to the interview. Absolutely. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Mike Farrell, the godfather of recruiting. Do I have that correct? You got it correct. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on the No Block No Rock podcast. We really appreciate it. No problem. So before we uh, deep dive here, what's your... Uh, relationship with Nebraska fans like? (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you this. Okay. So there's certain fan bases that are very rabid, um, but in a threatening manner, Nebraska is not a rabid fan base in a threatening manner. I've never had a death threat there, which is, you know, rare. Um, (laughs) That's threatened to put a bomb under my car or sue me or anything like that. But they are a sensitive group. Um, they just are. I mean, and, and I get it. You know, it, it hasn't been a great run. There was the, the Tom Osborne years where they ran college football. It's just kind of like Miami fans, but Miami fans are like half as rabid as Nebraska. Um, I would put Nebraska up there with Tennessee, but Nebraska fans are nicer, but they don't like me. I mean, they think that I hate Nebraska. Um, and I don't. I don't care. I don't care who wins what I don't care. I've been doing this too long to even care, but they were, they were fans of mine during the, uh, during the COVID and the shutdown of the big 10, because I did back Scott Frost, um, you know, when they came out and said, we got to play. So I was a big, you know, very, very popular guy then. But then recently I just left Casey Thompson off of my top 10 quarterback transfers and people went nuts. So, yeah. What are you gonna we're very do? fickle. Yes, we're very fickle. One, <laughs> one minute, we love you. The next, well, he probably should minutes. have been on there, but it's all who you like. I mean, I like him. Uh, I, I don't know if he has the the same weapons that everybody else has that I that I ranked. So, like it, they say, Quinn Ewers hasn't even played. How could you put him higher? Well, I mean, Texas is loaded. Um, Nebraska is not as loaded. Slight, mm-hmm. especially <laughs> if you look at that offensive line. It's. Uh... It's a little thin and there's a lot of question marks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you have enough experience and, and I think credentials to 
to speak your your mind and opinion on a situation like Casey Thompson and leaving him off a list like that. So, yeah. um, speaking of uh, thin position groups on this 2022 Nebraska Cornhusker football team, the defensive line, uh, the guy that we kept, and not us because we don't really do that, but uh, a whole bunch of Nebraska fans hitting up O'Shawn Mathis on Twitter, retweeting him, tweeting at him, hashtag GBR, come here. What is your read on O'Shawn Mathis at this point? Uh, it's good news for Nebraska. He hasn't made his decision um, because this was supposed to be a slam dunk when Gary Patterson went to Texas. You know, I mean, obviously that was his coach. Um, he, he's a defensive minded coach. He's an analyst at, at, at Texas. So you assumed, uh, and I believe he's visited Texas a couple times uh, each mm-hmm. time he visited. And, and one was more recent with the official visit that he was going to just end it and the process right there and go to Texas. Um, you know, there's been predictions for Texas everywhere since the beginning of this process, Nebraska got a visit. He was impressed by it. He doesn't talk a lot. This is the problem. Well, not problem. I mean, they can do what they want, but the portal, here's the portal issue, right? As high school kids, you got about four years to get to know them, build a relationship and follow the recruiting process. Um, it's, it's a slow burn and you don't have to like rush it. Then they get off to college and they get in the portal and they're usually in the portal for a reason, whether their coach left, which is Mathis's reason, they didn't play as well as they wanted to and aren't, aren't getting the playing time they wanted, or they got in trouble. And, and two of those three things they don't want to talk about. Um, they've also matured, so they don't want to handle the recruiting process like they did at high school because they think that's below them so getting them to talk about this stuff is very very difficult and mathis is a guy that i'll you know dm or text and he'll say hey what's up and then i'll ask him a question and he'll just ghost um i have no inside knowledge my guess is texas but the longer this goes and i heard he's going to make a decision by um you know by the end of the week uh it's good for nebraska but right now if i had to guess it would be texas yeah. Well, and to your point, as you know, these kids in the portal, they mature, right? So they're not as impressed by like the bells and whistles as these like high school kids, right? Like they know what they want. And at this point with NIL, which we're going to get into in a little bit, but you know, they're here for the money and the NFL. So it's like, you know, they're, the, the bells and whistles that Nebraska has to offer is, you know, it's not as important. Yeah. They don't, they don't care about the star rankings anymore where the high school kids dream about that. They, they don't grow up wanting to talk to you like the high school kids do it. Like Mathis, I covered in high school, you know, he, he was one of those guys who wanted a, a high ranking and, you know, interviews and all the publicity. Now he doesn't, now it's a business um, and he's a year away from the NFL and he's got to make a choice. This is what it is. NIL should not matter to him. It should matter where he can develop, where he can have his best film put forward uh, to, to top on the TCU film, which is excellent and where he can try to become a potential first rounder in the NFL draft. And I think that's what he's focused on more so than NIL. Gotcha. Well, and you brought up NIL and, and there's been rumors swirling that there's hundreds of thousands of dollars being offered by different universities and whatnot. Millions. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's interesting that you said that you, you don't think NIL is, do you, were you, are you saying that you don't think it's going to be a factor or you don't think it should be a factor? Not for him. I, I think it's a factor. 
you know, don't get me wrong. If someone wants to offer you X amount of dollars and six figures or whatever, you're going to take it. Um, I think for the high school kids, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's, it's arguably for many of them more important than one loss record uh, location. Now it's NIL. Uh, but for transfers, it's a little bit different, especially, you know, Mathis went into the portal, not because he was unsuccessful, not because he wasn't playing, but it's because his coach left. Um, most of the guys in the portal aren't there for that reason. So he's kind of different, like like Caleb Williams for USC. He went in the portal because his coach left. So he could command NIL money, but also pick a school that he felt was going to develop him properly for the NFL in a couple of years. And I think that's what Mathis is doing, but the high school kids NIL is extremely important and it's all they ask about. It seems these days on visits. Okay. Um, so before I get into some other potential D line targets in the portal, you said that you were leaning Texas for Mathis. So what I need from you, Mr. Farrell is just a really quick horns down. <laughs> so we could take that screenshot and show yeah. Nebraska fans that, hey, he doesn't hate Nebraska. <laughs> we can what, blur what do you, it out. Uh, what do you think? That. No, because that's hurtful. Remember, it's hurtful to Texas players, coaches, fans. It's hurtful. And they get penalized if you do it against them because they're very, very sensitive about that stuff. So there will be no horns down. Um, and again, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know, Mathis could be planning to go to Nebraska and I could be completely wrong. The guesswork in the portal is you're talking to a guy who knows a guy you're talking. I mean, I, you know, listen, I've, I've asked Gary Patterson directly and he said, I don't know <laughs> if Gary wow. Patterson doesn't know. I don't know. Um, right. <laughs> you know, so Mathis and his family know and nobody else does. So he could end up at Nebraska. I Listen, the, the depth chart you mentioned, <laughs> It's a little bit more clear, but he's going to play at Texas too. It's not like they're right. loaded with defensive ends either. So I don't know what's going to happen there. And, and you mentioned like, okay, let's, uh, let's ask about these other guys in the portal. My preface to that is going to be, I don't know, but I'll give it a guess. Okay. Like just real quick, um, Devin Drew out of Texas tech, Lamar goods out of Florida and Stefan Wynn from Alabama have kind of come up around nebraska twitter well Just real, yeah they've scheduled visits or i have already mm -hmm. actually visited i think uh devin drew was just here last weekend so mm -hmm. any opinions on any of those guys and do you think that nebraska can land a couple of those portal guys to fill that room because right now we have eight scholarship linemen it's even a lineman that i mean that is it's paper yeah that's that's rough <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, again, you're talking about three different guys with, with three different situations as to why they're leaving, but none of them have the situation Mathis does where he could sort of pick and choose. Like Mathis got contacted by probably 40 different schools. Um, these guys are looking for playing time and they're, they're not willing to jump uh, without a guarantee of it. So do they have a shot at them? I mean, the guys that haven't visited yet, they have to see if they like it. You know, I mean, so, some of these guys are from the Southeast and it's a little bit of a culture shock. Uh, some of them are, are from different areas like Texas and it's just perfect for them. And it's great fit really depends on, on that, but they will fill spots. First of all, there's going to be more defensive ends going in. This is crazy week, right? So this mm -hmm. is the end of spring football 
And, and it's as much as the NCAA can process. What you're seeing right now are guys entering the portal today that have been processed. My guess is, and I think like 30 something today, maybe 40 something today went in. Um, and that's the webs, the, the, the Twitter handle at Feral Portal that, that it used to be that other one. Now we're tracking that. Follow that if you like transfers because it's updated every two seconds and everything that happens from kids entering to taking visits, to getting offers, to all that stuff is updated on there. And it's really kind of, it's a whirlwind. Uh, but there'll be more defensive ends going in once depth charts are, are evaluated. Um, and Nebraska will, listen, I, I, that's probably the thinnest depth-wise position. So they're going to get a couple guys. Now, whether they're good or not, I don't know, but uh, they'll get guys. Okay. Um, the next thing I kind of want to move to is you kind of touched on it already. You had left off Casey Thompson in your top 10. Um, a guy that I wanted to ask you about is a guy that has a very complicated history as a Cornhusker, and that would be Adrian Martinez. You know, around these parts, he was the guy who, on one hand, would cover up a lot of faults on our team, but at the same time, he would also reveal them, like making mistakes, turning the ball over, um, the, the run game relying on him too much, in my opinion. What is the kind of national perception of an Adrian Martinez? So I, I really liked him a lot out of high school. Um, and I liked him more after I saw him at the Under Armour week of practices. So originally, of course, as we know, he was committed to Tennessee. And, uh, you know, Scott Frost ended up landing him. And, and he had a great freshman year, you know, by all standards. I don't yeah. use the word great that often, but it's very good. And, and it looked like the, the bar graph was moving up. Um, and then he regressed. And then once you regress, it's, I put quarterback similar to golf, right? So once you get the shanks, it's really hard mentally to get rid of that. Um, once you start chunking the ball or once you're, you know, off the tee to the right, you overcorrect. It's just in your head. And that's what I think happened with Adrian Martinez is that they didn't put a ton of skill around him. You know, that's the one criticism I would have of Nebraska. He didn't have guys that could bail him out. Um, and, and those guys that he did have bail him out, you know, some of them left. I'm not naming names, but mm -hmm. you need more of those bailout guys. Um, if you're not going to have, you know, a, a Ohio State wide receiver room, you'd better have one or two guys that you can be creative with and get your quarterback some easy completions too and get them into the rhythm and flow of the game. And that just didn't seem to happen for him. Now, this isn't an excuse for Adrian Martinez. He was just awful at times. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be successful at Kansas State at all. Uh, but I'm telling you, this is a head thing. It's not an ability thing. This is, he got the shanks and he hasn't come back from it yet. And I've seen this with a lot of young quarterbacks who started off, and NFL too, started off well, and then ended up regressing, and you're wondering why they regressed. Um, you know, and there's a lot of factors with that, but most of it's mental. I think what we're hoping as Nebraska fans is, you know, Casey Thompson comes in, and, like, personally, my expectations, I'm not looking for him to throw 40 touchdowns with six interceptions. I just want personally a guy who's less yippy, kind of like what you said, less shanky, um, 
hopefully we can get a solid running back. Like we, we said Balcow all last year. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't really find one. So we're, I'm personally hoping for running back centric run game. And I don't know if you guys want to go into these transfers that we've gotten, like Trey Palmer. We're hoping that he'll be a game breaker. Um, you know, our tight end room isn't looking so hot right now. Um, but yeah, that's just that's just my kind of take on Casey Thompson. I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that or I mean I can add to it too. I I think Adrian was a really good leader and and we've we've said on this podcast, I mean, he did hide a lot of flaws with Nebraska football, especially at, on the offensive line. I mean, the some of the plays he made, you you were just just shocked. But and then there was also the the bonehead right. decision or something else. And so I don't know if you can get past the shanks when you go to another school. Who knows? Um, as far as Casey Thompson goes, I mean, I hope for some leadership and I hope for a guy that can handle this job like a professional. Like I, I want a guy that can come in and and take command and and hopefully he's named quarterback one, I guess. I'm I don't know anybody in in the world that would think otherwise, but Chubba, Chubba. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it just, no, no, it's no. unlikely. So, Casey Thompson, again, I don't know if you saw the game, uh, the college game day piece on him last year. You know, his dad's obviously a legend at Oklahoma, and mm -hmm. they talked a lot about the decision to go to Texas. And he's a very grounded kid, a very smart kid, and he's got tremendous support. Um, and, and I'm not saying Adrian Martinez didn't have that, but this was a decision that was made, um, you know, to sort of stay in that, you know, Southwest Conference, Big 12 footprint to give him an opportunity to excel um, where the new coaches kind of needed like a Quinn Ewers to sort of sell to the fan base. He's a good player. Um, he showed it in the bowl game a couple of years ago, showed it last season. I just, the thing I, I criticize Nebraska about is when's the last time Nebraska's had a really good wide receiver? And when's the last time they had a really good running back? Like, uh, yeah. you've got to take pressure off your quarterback and you've got to have talent. Omar Manning is a great example. I mean, everybody's talking about this is the year Omar Manning is going to break out. Well, last year was the year. You know, I mean, Samori yeah. Turi was good last year, but everybody said, well, he broke, you know, what he broke, Jerry Rice's records or Randy Moss's records? I don't even know. That's not good enough. You need to have multiple guys. And you need them to step up. So Omar Manning needs to step up. Trey Palmer didn't do it at LSU. He needs to step up. They just, they're not helping their quarterbacks out that much with the development at those positions. Um, and I don't care who you are. You're going to struggle if you don't have guys that can bail you out. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about a lot too. Like, you know, couple of years ago, Wandale Robinson, he's in Lincoln and we've got him running in between the tackles. The dude's 175 pounds. Like it, it just, the, the, like, it's been a constant, like Bob and weave trying to adjust for different things and using your talents in the wrong spots because you have to. And yeah, it's just been kind of frustrating. So hopefully, you know, this is the year, like you said, we put some talent around the quarterback and we can actually function. And Whipple's good. Whipple, you know, listen, I mean, not only can he pick it, but he worked with Ben Roethlisberger. He's worked with some really good quarterbacks, right? And those quarterbacks had weapons, but they also had the ability to 
game plan around if they didn't have, you know, the weapons. And I think Whipple is going to help him. The problem is that this is a big pressure year. I mean, if Nebraska goes five and seven, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Scott Frost is gone. Everybody's gone. And then you're just blowing this thing up and starting over. Um, And that's, that's the issue is that I think there's a lot of pressure on this football team. And, and I worry that the pressure of we got to get it done now is felt because of course the coaches aren't saying any of that. Oh, I'm going to be here forever. But the, the kids know it and they feel it. So I think that's, that's what worries me a little bit about, you know, having a new coordinator and new quarterback and, you know, all the pressure of that offense, because what they lose every game by a point last year. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, there, there's experience and you would hope they would grow from that and win half of those games that they lost. Um, but the pressure is ramped up this year because they did lose every game last year by one point. So it's going to be interesting to see how this offense develops. Um, but I will say they, they have to take a step up in skill position recruiting, no doubt. Well, and we were actually looking at your five, four, three, two, one top offensive coaching hires and you have Mark Whipple at number five on your list. Mm -hmm. And I mean, do you want to, can you expand a little bit on Mark Whipple? I mean, obviously you said he coached Ben Roethlisberger. He's a, in my opinion, he's an adult. Like he's been in the industry a long time. He's, he's got all the credentials, but like you said too, I mean, trying to make that transition in a, a small, small time span of one year with all new players, all new staff around him. I mean, talk a little bit about Mark Whipple and, and what you like about that hire. Yeah, and that was a um, – it wasn't sort of a ranking of the best. It was the ones that intrigued me the most because I liked, you know, what, obviously what Whipple did with Pickett because Pickett's not an overly talented quarterback. I mean, we're going to learn that pretty quick. Um <laughs> We just are. I mean, you know, I'm not an expert and I've gotten things wrong before and I've gotten things right before. And I said Mahomes was a reach because that guy in in college, the guy I saw freelance like crazy and threw passes that would just be absolutely picked off right in the NFL. So I said, trading up for him instead of Deshaun Watson is stupid. And they ended up winning a Super Bowl. He's a $500 million guy, MVP, all this other stuff. But you're starting to see a little bit of that freelancing and you'll see more of it when he has less weapons. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. but Pickett, he did a great job with a guy who has limited skills. Uh, but what he did is he built a, a wide receiver tight end room that was deep, you know, not just Jordan Addison, but they had very good tight ends. They're big targets. Um, and, and he was able to check down. They had a solid running game. Um, you know, no superstars, but guys who could run the football and the balance was there. Um, and so that's hard to create in one year. Pickett was there for a very long time and Whipple helped him. Now Whipple has been a head coach. He's been an NFL coach. He's been a coordinator. He's done it all. So he's a very good hire. Um, but what he's being asked to do in one year is, is going to be very difficult. That's why I, I had him as an intriguing hire because, you know, Mark Whipple is not stupid. You know, he's, he's not going to leave a situation at Pitt and go to Nebraska where he could be out of a job in a year, even if it is extra money. Um, he sees something in, in this team and this offense that he feels he could be successful with. And it's going to come down to more coaching than skill. You know, I, I really do believe game plan is going to be extremely important here. Uh, and if they do game plan right, 
then you'll see some success. But if they don't, and we've seen that they haven't, <laughs> then it, we're just going to see more of the same. Well, and so two points to what you just said is number one, you know, he's not dumb, right? Like he didn't just come, he didn't come here just because of the extra money. He sees something and that's something that Mickey Joseph, who just recently joined the staff, he's said the exact same thing at all these banquets and things that he's been at. People are telling us like, oh yeah, you know, he just stood up there and said it's moving in the right direction. So the second thing to that is um, Mark Whipple, all the players that have been interviewed to this point, they're all saying, look, Mark Whipple has an answer to whatever the defense is going to show you immediately. He knows he, he knows there's, there's an, uh, you know, a workaround to whatever they're going to show you. And he's very smart and he's very quick at what he does. So to your point, the, the game plan is going to be so important. And it sounds like Mark Whipple um, is, is kind of there. It's tough being a Nebraska fan, though, man. I'm telling you, just because I'm not a Nebraska fan, but I know what it's like. I mean, every year is the year we're back. Uh-huh. It's just like yeah, Texas, yeah. except Texas, you know, played for a national championship in 2009. You know, it's been longer for, for Nebraska in that case. So, But you have to enter every season with optimism and confidence, and Mark Whipple brings that to the offense. Um, we're going to see how they handle their first loss you know, or falling behind three touchdowns, you know, the first time in a game or something like that. Um, and that's where the team's either going to crumble or they're going to grow from it. And last year they fought, they fought, you know, the good fight in, in, in a lot of games that they were, I mean, they probably covered, geez, I'm, I'm a gambler and I don't even remember, but they probably covered like almost all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, covered all but two. Is yeah. That so yeah. there's a fight, there's a fight there. You know, Frost has this team. I mean, they're not giving up on them. But, you know, what if they start off two and four? What's the second half of the season look like? Those are all very, very big questions. And, you know, you could enter the season saying 12 and 0 is the goal. We're going to win the West. We're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to go to the playoff. That's great. But, you know, the first few times you punched in the face, let's see how they react. And, and I think Whipple's a good guy to have in your corner. But he's not a he's not Houdini. He can't do everything. So it's going to be a real interesting year for Nebraska fans. I temper expectations. You know, I got guys who are Nebraska fans who say, oh, my God, this is the year. Scott Frost is going to finally break through. We brought him back for this reason. And I tell him, I say, listen, this could go well. Right. Maybe go eight and four, seven and five. But it also could delay the inevitable. You know, because then after that, you can regress back and then you're talking three years instead of one. So this is kind of like a rip the bandaid off year and see what see if this guy's really for, for real, because they want him to fit. Scott Frost is perfect for Nebraska. Perfect. Yeah. You know, but, you know, you, you don't want to continue mediocrity and say, oh, we went six and six and we went to a crappy bowl game and we won that one or seven and six. Let's keep going because so far it hasn't worked. You're banging the same drum as us. <laughs> Gosh, like trying to think of the next question to ask you, like you went into so many different avenues and I have questions literally for all of them, but uh, that's what I do. Like, like, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so here at, yeah, no block, no rock. We pride ourselves on not being, not drowning in Kool-Aid. Okay. We, we look at the ESPN FPI that is predicting Nebraska to win the big 10 West. And we're like, and you loved us last year too. So Mike Farrell, how's the big 10 West going to shape out? 
right. Well, the FPI, first of all, is garbage. You can't look at it. Um, Clearly. You notice yeah. it came out around 420, and whoever's putting it together is <laughs> the because Texas is number six and Pitt's number nine, and Auburn, Auburn's number 10. Okay, so uh, you, you might as well eliminate that. You might as well take, like, I don't know, a chicken and have it peck on teams and see who it likes the best because it's just worthless. So let's throw that out. Actually. The West is good, and that's a problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> The West has usually not been good, but they're solid football teams. And I'm not saying they're better than the East. You know, the East has Ohio State. And obviously Michigan made the playoff last year. Michigan State's doing well with Mel Tucker. Penn State's always there. You know, that's the East. But the West, you know, it's not a Northwestern win type of year. You've got Iowa, solid. Wisconsin, solid. Now, either neither one of them have a quarterback, right? But they can run the football and play defense. Minnesota. Just doesn't go away. PJ Fleck and his team very pesky, right? And giant linemen again. Mo Ibrahim's coming back. They're going to run the football yeah, yeah. Yep. and play defense. Purdue, Aiden O'Connell is a heck of a player. Now David Bell's gone, but he's going to put up numbers, and their passing game is going to be a little bit difficult to deal with. Plus, nobody knows anybody but George Karloftis on the defense. The defense is not bad. Mm-mm. So Nebraska winning it, I mean they're going to have a hard time finishing in the top four. And that's just life because those teams are all good. So how can you put them ahead of Wisconsin and Iowa and, and, and Purdue, maybe Purdue, I guess, um, Minnesota. I mean, based on the last few years, there's just no way to put Nebraska above them. So how's it yeah. going to shake out? Nebraska is not going to win the West. And if, if they do replay this on a loop and I'll, Come on and apologize. <laughs> I don't see them winning the West. They what they have to hope for is like an eight and four season, you know, and perhaps a down year at Purdue, and perhaps a down year at Minnesota, um, and Iowa and Wisconsin are always going to be those nine and three football teams, and then you're in the mix till the end. Um, but I've got Wisconsin winning the West, Iowa two, and honestly, right now. I've got Nebraska as the fifth best team in that division. I think the biggest reason you put Nebraska as number one on those polls is you get every person in the state of Nebraska to retweet you immediately. (laughs) There's no fan base like it. I'm telling you, there's no fan base like it. Whenever we would write anything about Nebraska, right? Good or bad. And Calabrasca is a great example, right? Calabrasca was a joke. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a joke. They ended up getting a couple good players, but they were all exciting. Right. But it was exciting. Yeah, you were involved with like four or five star kids from California. Look at this movement, blah, blah, blah. If we wrote the word Calabrasca or if we hashtag Calabrasca, it would just explode. And yeah, that's I bought a t-shirt. The, I bought a t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> the, How many the media does that? the same thing. With the Nebraska fan base, it's so good that they're going to try to sell it to them. I'm always going to be honest. Um, it's not going to make me popular. But, man, the West, I, I – I, I think the West is honestly, you got the SEC West and obviously the Big Ten East. But after that, it's kind of like it's a toss up as to who the next best division is. And and the West is in there. Yeah, the Big Ten West is kind of known as not so much top heavy. It's just very deep. And I mean, depending on which magazine or which talking head you talk to, you're going to have someone that says Purdue's going to win it this year. 
this is going to be Kirk Ferentz's year. This is going to be Paul Chris's year again. It's like you just never really know. And like you said, I totally forgot that Mo Ibrahim's coming back. But he's coming you off know. an Achilles. So, like, yeah. that's that's iffy at, at the running back position. I mean, we watched his his calf explode. And that was- <laughs> he's coming back because they had, they had a couple guys transfer out, and I've talked to people there, and he's not 100 yet, but he's coming back. Okay. I listen. fine. As Nebraska fans, we should be deathly scared of that. I, well, yeah. Because we, especially with our defensive line, uh, yikes. Yeah. I mean, we here row the boat in our sleep because <laughs> for some reason, despite how bad PJ Flex teams are, Scott Frost still can't beat them. PJ Flex literally owns Scott Frost. He does. Haunts my dreams. But look at the, look at the schedule, guys, though. It, it plays out pretty well. North, Northwestern was a disaster last year, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that was clear. Yeah. Nice way of U, UND, you hope. You, you win that. You hope you beat other, Georgia Southern. I mean, both of those aren't like horrible football teams, but they're not. You should win. You got Oklahoma. You assume that's a loss. Maybe with the transition of coaches and the loss of Caleb Williams, it could be, you know, a, a better game. And like it was last year, I mean, they could pull an upset. But let's say they lose to Oklahoma. Then you got Indiana, which was a disaster last year. And Rutgers, who's Rutgers? Yep. You know, <laughs> technically, you should start off five and one. And that's what I'm talking about. But if you start off in some capacity, three and three or two and four, then it gets bad. Um, you know, at Purdue, Illinois is not a joke, but they're not great. But Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Oof. Yeah, it's a meat grinder. They better start off five and one. That's all I'm saying. So, Mike Farrell, I can't believe I'm the one saying this to you, but you said – Northwestern last year was a disaster. Absolutely true. Nebraska was as well. And so I hear people all the time say, Illinois is a winnable game. Uh, They've kicked our ass the past two years. It's like Nebraska fans are so quick to say winnable game, winnable game. But I think other teams look at Nebraska on the schedule and they go, "Uh, that's going to be kind of a cakewalk. I mean, am I, am I off base in that, in thinking that? I, I, you know, Look at the last five games, right, for Northwestern. They lost to Illinois 47 to 14. Not great. (laughs) Lost to Purdue 32 to 14, right? Wisconsin drilled them 35 to 7. They stayed with Iowa somehow. I don't know how. They lost 17 to 12. And they they lost to Minnesota 41 to 14. They got drugged. Look at Nebraska's last five, right? Iowa, seven-point loss. Wisconsin, seven-point loss at Wisconsin. Ohio State. You know, nine-point loss. Yeah. Purdue, five-point loss. Minnesota, seven-point loss. Now, again, there's 0-5 on both sides here, but there's complete suckage, which is Northwestern. True. And they're heading into the season coming off those five games, and, and Pat Fitzgerald's a great coach, but they're like, what happened? And then there's Nebraska. It's like, you know what? We hung in there. You know, three of those five teams were ranked in the top 20 in the country. Right. Uh, there's... There's a different momentum about that 0-5. 0-5 sucks either way, but I'd take the Nebraska 0-5 to finish the season than I would Northwestern. Yeah, and I just want to add real quick, um, the fact that I'm you know, not chalking up Northwestern as winnable. You know, For one, you're going to Ireland. You, who knows what kind of anomalies you're going to run into there. But, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has shown he's, he has a history of turning around a, like a three and nine Northwestern team and winning the West next year. And he just has a track record that frankly, Scott Frost doesn't have. And so 
you know, Pat Fitzgerald and even like a guy like Brett Bielema, he's a dude that's done it and he has a track record and it's just, you can't, you can't overlook these guys. Well, they can't overlook anybody. Ever. <laughs> right. Ever. You're right. Nothing. I you mean, can't, I mean they can't overlook three and nine Indiana was, was what, nine and three the year before. I mean, you can't look, overlook it. Rutgers is an improving football team. They could easily go there and lose. Um, every game is a fight. Every game is a battle. And, and that's why I say they got to take the games they can win. Okay. I don't think they can beat Michigan at Michigan. Maybe people do. I don't think they could beat Wisconsin. I don't think they could beat Iowa, but they don't luckily have, you know, Ohio state on the schedule this year. Um, I don't think they beat Oklahoma. So that leaves what one, two, three, four leaves eight wins on the table, right? They have to win all of those eight winnable games. And I know Nebraska fans are crazy. They're going to say, oh, of course we could beat Wisconsin. Of course we could beat Iowa. Do it and then we can talk. But those eight other games, you have to win. And it, because eight and four is what you need. Uh, and you can't overlook anybody. So that's what I'm saying. If the season starts off five and one, they're going to be a confident football team. But if it starts off three and three or two and four, it's, it's over. And then what do you do? Let's say you're two and four you know, going into Rutgers or, you know, or, or Purdue or whatever. Do you make the move then? They're not going to do that to Scott Frost. They wouldn't do that midseason. So then you've got, you know, dead man walking for the rest of the year. It kills recruiting. It, I mean, the start is so important in Nebraska this year. It's unbelievable. Well, you brought up the word recruiting, and I think you would know best just with your expertise and all of that. Can you talk about the recruiting obstacles Nebraska faces based on location, recent struggles, recruiting to the state of Nebraska, fan expectations, population? I mean, all the things that go against recruiting and, and coming to Nebraska. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I want you to take one little step into what Nebraska did in a really good era in football. And in my opinion, is got to be like the, the craziest overachieving football program of all time, just based on everything going against Nebraska. Well, re remember that things recruiting wasn't national back then. Right. So it was a different story. Um, you know, if you won, kids would come to your program. Um, you know, sometimes sight unseen. I mean, Notre Dame was mailing in, you know, top five recruiting classes forever when they were successful. And, you know, they're in a remote area, not as remote as Nebraska, but, but the fact that Nebraska became a superpower in college football is akin to UConn because I live in Connecticut becoming a superpower in college basketball, men's college basketball, not women's, but men's, you know, they won three national championships. Stores, Connecticut is nothing. It's nowhere. It's just, and you're, you're, you're in a remote area, not easy to get to. And there's no reason on earth that any top 50 basketball player should ever go to UConn, but they did. And Jim Calhoun was a, was a master. Right. And then, you know, Kevin Ollie inherited that and won one Nebraska, Tom Osborne. It, it just shows what a great coach he is. Uh, but that was a different, world you could line up and out muscle people you could recruit you know california without alabama being involved with a kid now you can't it's impossible everybody's recruiting nationally social media has made everybody accessible um, it's hard to get to nebraska even on an official visit 
Um, there's a culture shock of, way, of, of sorts for kids that visit during the season. They love the crowd, but it's November and it's cold and I'm from Miami, right? right. So I don't like this. Um, California, same thing. So they're up against it. And the bordering states are all horrible for talent. So your in-state is horrible. Your bordering states are horrible. You got to go, not horrible, but not great. You got to win a lot on the road. Most of your wins have to be on the road in recruiting. And that's just hard to do. And if you're not winning football games, it's virtually impossible. So, you know, Nebraska, and I know people, Nebraska fans won't like being compared to UConn, right? Oh my God, we're Nebraska. We're better than that. But it's similar. Um, it just makes no sense <laughs> how it happened. And it, Tom Osborne is a legend because of it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen again. That's my concern if I'm a Nebraska fan is like, can we ever get back there? I'll be the one to say it. I mean, I don't think they will, but you're also talking about, and I, I bring this up all the time. Nebraska was the winningest football program over the course of a 40 year period. And, you know, to, to expect that again in the future, I think is unrealistic. Um, but I do kind of want to, I, I not necessarily push back on your, on your point about Nebraska being a hard place to recruit because I just want to rattle off, you know, the rivals rankings ever since Scott Frost became head coach and you know how not good they've been. So 2018, they were 21st, then it was 15, 17, 18. And then this past year was, they were 39th. And so I'm just thinking in my head, if, if they can win, even, you know, get, get back to Bo Pelini type seasons where they win nine games, there's no reason why this program should be three and nine with top regular top 20 classes. And so I just want to ask you being the Godfather, like what are we missing? Like, where's the disconnect between being a top 20 program and actually being a three and nine kind of basement. People are questioning our blue blood status now. Yeah. It really comes down to, you know, continuity coaching scheme you know i always had kirk ferentz forever right and they always finish in those same areas that you're talking about recruiting wise they'll have a an odd year where they're top 17 or 15 or whatever uh wisconsin same thing you know obviously these coaches are a little different but barry alvarez might as well be coaching the, you know wisconsin that's how it's, we oh, all yeah. feel about that <laughs> just this it's steadiness it's continuity it's, there's no changing you know when you go from you know, a Tom Osborne offense to what we've seen change. Oh, we're going to open things up. Oh, we're going to go back to power running. Oh, we're going to open things up. Oh, we're going to go back to power running. Uh, we're going to run a four, three. We're going to run a three, four. It's like, there's no continuity. And, you know, you could hire good coaches. You know, I, I don't think Mike Riley is a bad coach, <laughs> but, you know, if, if, if they're coming in, from not a position of strength and trying to, you know, bring the program up from the previous guy, it's not going to work. Um, so I compare Nebraska, you know, recruiting wise to the, the Oklahoma state, the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, you know, to, to a lesser extent, the West Virginia's, although they've fallen on some bad times as well, you know, where you're going to have to win those, those battles on the road, but 
those teams have continuity and Nebraska does not. And, you know, that's part of the argument for keeping Scott Frost. Um, you know, now he's been given a full chance with all of his recruits uh, and the system that he wants to run and he should win. And, you know, remember Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech sucked early. Bobby Bowden at Florida State sucked early. Um, it can happen where you struggle your first few years until you get your guys and your scheme and, and the continuity that you need of your program where you can then become good. Um, and that's my only explanation. I mean, it's not like these are bad coaches. You know, Bill Callahan's not a bad coach. Bo Pelini was a jerk, absolute jerk, but he won nine games every year. And then they got greedy. You know, we want to win 11. Okay. Well, now you'd like to win nine, right? Yeah, um, we'd like to win seven. <laughs> right. Seven but, game. But he's an easy guy to get rid of, you know, because he's a jerk. So I don't know. There's just continuity is the word that I'll use there. And it's just, it just hasn't been there for Nebraska. So earlier you mentioned, obviously, NIL is going to matter a lot more to high school students as opposed to the transfer portal at the current moment. Do we see this NIL becoming like a really big deal into getting into that, that top 20 for recruiting classes, almost like a free agency? Or how do you see, like Nebraska, obviously a very valuable brand. We talk about that very frequently. Uh, but with these deep pockets in Nebraska, with the Oshan, I believe the number being thrown around is 500,000. But with these big end recruits, do you see those numbers being thrown around as a big draw for these guys coming out of high school and you know, bringing them to a program that you know, maybe isn't one that they thought of initially? Yeah. I mean, money talks, you know, um, so certainly, but also winning talks too. Uh, you know, you have to have that combination. So I think NIL is going to be extremely important. I think it's going to be too important. Um, you know, I think Saban's right. I think Dabo's right. I think Kirby Smart's right. You know, they, they come about it in different ways. Dabo comes about a little bit resistant and whiny, um, you know, Saban comes out matter of factly. He's like, okay, we got to fix this portal. We got to fix this NIL. Uh, but until you do, I'm going to keep stealing people from the portal and I'm going to get kids to make millions and I'll keep winning national championships. That's kind of, you know, the attitude of, of coaches is NIL is a mess, right? And it's going to get worse. Um, the portal is a mess and that's going to get worse. So how do you build that continuity that I'm talking about? Um, you have to have somebody have success. So, you know, you can recruit a quarterback at Nebraska if Adrian Martinez was super successful, right? Because a successful Adrian Martinez on a nine and three Nebraska team is worth arguably as much as any quarterback in the country, period. Mm -hmm. yep. of, that's the NFL team in Nebraska. Lincoln is the epicenter of the world for football fans there. But Adrian Martinez on a three and nine football team sucks and nobody cares. Um, and that's really the thing. It's like, which comes first chicken or egg. It's like, does, does winning lead to NIL or does NIL lead to winning? And, and I think that's a question we haven't answered yet. And we got to figure out in our, in our kind of bubble here, you know, we like to talk, like you said, epicenter is Lincoln, Nebraska. There's nothing else. Fishbowl, fishbowl, <laughs> um, fan, passion is second to none despite three and nine we still bring 90,000 plus to every single game from a national perspective you know is Nebraska indeed like one of those top you know five to ten NIL programs and I'm just curious to know if you're aware of any like kind of uh, 
interesting NIL deals that other programs are doing that maybe Nebraska should look into doing? Um, NIL is it's overblown in one extent and it's not understood in another. I kind of did a, a dive into NIL last March and really got immersed in, you know, what's going on prior to it even being passed, you know, um, and it was mostly from the autographs and collectibles side of things. You know, how much value does this kid bring if he's signing jerseys and helmets and pictures in Baton Rouge versus, you know, Austin, Texas versus Tuscaloosa versus Lincoln, Nebraska? Um, you know, there are kids out there that have made a lot more money than people think. And there are also deals out there that are being overblown by the media that don't exist. So when you hear the $8 million and, oh, my God, these kids are going to be making more than the head coaches and stuff like that, I don't truly believe it. Um, but I also know that <laughs> there are a couple of transfers out there who could have taken visits to schools on a private plane if they wanted to. <laughs> um, so that's nutty, right, to think about. Yeah. Nobody really has a great strategy. You know, Oklahoma just came up with this. Everybody gets 50,000. And then you've got these collectives, at, you know, uh, Texas A&M and, and Ohio State and all that stuff. Nobody's really figured it out. I think Nebraska is a very good brand for NIL, but they'll likely follow the rules as well. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> then, you're, then you're in Come trouble. On. Can we, can we, why are we acting like that there's rules? To begin with now why are we still treading this line all careful and uh, i don't i'm not sure if we should no dude go you do you want to win then do do what you have to do sorry but can we get uh -huh. over this facade of of student athlete because it's not a thing anymore is the it N the ncaa doesn't do shit nope. i mean they're powerless it's sec big 10 and everyone else isn't it so here's here's the here's the issue though like Every Nebraska fan was excited because a certain company with Nebraska ties was the first company that sort of became public with NIL. And they're Maybe. like, oh, great. Yeah. That's not great. That's following the rules. That's working with compliance. That's working with all the different things that you're supposed mm -hmm. to be doing for NIL. Meanwhile, everybody else is associated with, you know, street agents, seven on seven guys, uncles looking to get rich, all that stuff, you know it's almost like a disadvantage to do it the right way. Um, right. It's, it's just one of those weird things is, you know, behaving yourself will in this day and age, especially, I mean, obviously we've seen kids get paid to go to school and, you know, get cars and all this other garbage. And I've run across it for, for the last 25 years, but now that it's free agency, um, you better have ways to circumvent the process until the process is refined. Right now, there are no guardrails, really. You know, oh, you're not allowed to pay players for pay. Well, what, what, do, we, what do we think we're doing here? What do we think? Yeah, Texas right. A &M's <laughs> class? Like Texas A&M's class is, is that. Um, and, and, the, and the NCAA is waiting for the federal government, government to come in and handle things, you know, in, in some sort of antitrust manner they're not interested and they waited and waited and waited and waited. Then they came up with this horrible plan under Bowlesby, the big 12, but it was better than this non-plan and they passed on that. And then they just threw their hands up and said, NIL's here. States have passed it. Have at it. 
and and here we are and it's going to get worse and dirtier and and uglier and it's a whole lot of millionaires that want their way and if they don't get it they become very pouty that's what i experienced <laughs> it's usually it's, how they are yeah kind of so- <laughs> ugly it's it's ugly it's not fun so when casey thompson says you can make as much money in nebraska as you can at texas it's not true i i like him he's a good kid but it's not true it's just not an even playing ground and i'm i know mike wanted to say something but like i said in this bubble We've been hearing that Nebraska is ahead of NIL because they have all these little deals in place, like you said, that meet with compliance. And your point about how that's actually going to hamstring you later, it's, it should make other people think that is Nebraska doing it? Yeah, they're doing it the right way, the biblical right way. But is it going to result in, you know, missing out? <laughs> the fear of missing out, FOMO. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Well, look at, look at, we just talked about Northwestern, right? They have academic restrictions other schools do not have. They do it the right way, you know, Duke, but they don't win big. I mean, they win. Duke never wins, but you know, Northwestern wins every few years, but to to compare a player getting into a, a, let's just say even on a higher skill to compare what Notre Dame can do when they look at the top 300 kids in the country and they eliminate more than half of them because of academics and other schools, whether they're SEC, Big 12, wherever, can go down that list of 300 and take every one of them. Nothing's fair in college football. Um, Fair doesn't lead to national championships, and that's just the way of life. So it used to um, long ago, but now it doesn't. And so I'm not saying cheat. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't have a solution. I, I, if I were the head coach of a football program, I, I would be out there, you know, talking about NIL and saying all the right things. And I would get with, you know, I talking to, to booster groups and, you know, but Nebraska would probably be the one team that got caught. Right. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. No kidding. <laughs> they know Scott well, Frost is do? very desperate to win right now. So what do you do? I mean, it just <laughs> this is, NIL is not going to lead to parity. It's not going to lead to it's just where the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to poor and Nebraska's poor right now. Um, and they got to hit the lottery really. I mean, that's it, just until this is fixed, it's just, it's as ugly as you'd think. I don't even really delve into NIL anymore because I, I really got a bad feeling over the year. I, I was in it. Um, very bad feeling, you know, the portal I'll deal with and that's kind of mucky and gross. But NIL is that, that's that Shawshank redemption, you know, 400 yards of just crap mm-hmm. that you got to crawl through to get to freedom. And I don't even want to put a toe in it. Yeah. So until NIL is fixed, you can catch Nebraska in 15, 20 years doing it right and winning. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, speaking of that, I was listening to the radio today, local radio here, and they talked about, how eventually with NIL that schools and and the football programs at schools could just become their own entities. They could LLC. It could be the Nebraska football team who is affiliated with the university of Nebraska. Do you think that could happen? Do you think 
it could be Alabama football team affiliated with the University of Alabama. Do you think that's where we're headed? So many things could happen. I mean, honestly, in the next 10 years, the college football become, could become an official minor league program of the NFL. Yeah. It could be unionized. Um, you could have separate entities outside the NCA and others inside. Um, these conferences you see now in 10 years, you're not going to even recognize. There's, there's not going to be power five. You know, there's going to be super conferences. Um, everything is going to change. And, and I was really, when we went through the whole conference realignment, you know, obviously Nebraska fans know very well about all that going to the Big Ten and the good and the bad of it, right? You know, yep. there's, there's people that think if they were in the Big 12 right now, they'd be in a much better spot, which I agree with from a recruiting standpoint and from a wins losses standpoint. But money talks and they're in a much better spot financially in the big 10 because the big 10 is number two to sec so the money's coming in um but conference realignment was bad i didn't like it um you know there were some teams it was musical chairs there were some teams that are going to get left out west virginia was supposed to go to the acc the acc is like no we're too academic for you you know and so they <laughs> they, they couldn't get in the sec because the sec didn't want them because they're too remote and then they ended up in a big 12 and now they're you know a fish out of water um, Missouri ended up going to the SEC. They won early, but now they can't, and I don't see them winning anytime soon. And Nebraska went to the Big Ten, and it's been downhill. So, you know, you're going to see worse than that. You're going to see more than conference realignment. You're going to see everything I'm talking about, unionization. You're going to talk about players going on strike, like groups of players from one team refusing to play because groups of players from the same team make a lot more money than they do. Um, yep. you know, you're going to see, you know, you see those, those Walmart or, you know, those, those picket lines, you're going to see that you're going to see lawsuits. You're going to see so much stuff that's going to have to be hashed out over the next 10 years that it wouldn't shock me at all for any of these things to happen. NFL minor league, LLC unionization. Uh, and, and it's, you know, to us purists, the people who have been following the sport for a very, very long time, who loved it as an amateur sport, it's going to be really disheartening and kind of ugly to see. But you cannot argue against it. You cannot argue against kids making money now when coaches are making so much and they can you can't argue against the transfer portal when a coach can leave one school to another like Whipple did from Pitt to Nebraska. And you're going to make a kid sit out. You can't yeah. argue against it. But it's really going to be difficult to rein it in as well, because if you started off with all these restrictions and then pulled some away, you'd be okay. But if you start out with none and try to put some in place, <laughs> then you're in trouble. <laughs> and that's where we're at. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Mike, just one last topic we want to hit on and then we'll wrap. A, if you were to make a Twitter poll today asking if Nebraska is indeed still a blue blood program, you would get many responses, and I don't know if you'd lose followers or gain followers. I don't know, but <laughs> would you vote yes or no on Nebraska football still being a blue blood program? Okay. I'm going to say yes, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> more followers, more followers. We love that. UGA <laughs> just won the national championship last year, right? Indeed. So when did they win it before that? 1980, right? Guy named Herschel Walker. Yeah. If UGA is a blue blood, which they are considered, 
to be one than Nebraska is. Nebraska, Miami, you know, Tennessee, those, those three programs, and you can lump Notre Dame and Michigan in there as well, even though they've been to the playoff. Um, those are blue blood programs. You know, you don't lose your blue blood status unless you're 60 years removed from something like, you know, I mean, it's 40. Am I doing the math right? Yeah. 42 years. Yeah. Georgia didn't win a national championship. You could yeah. look at Michigan when the last time they won a national championship outright, not tied. Not 97. Yeah. That's not a real not 97. One. Yeah. Outright. Not tied. <laughs> you know, not, not a split one. Notre Dame, <laughs> Miami. Yeah. You know, these are still blue blood programs just because they've had more success recently than Nebraska has um, doesn't take away from the fact that they're still a blue blood program. Now, are they good? They're not, but they're still a blue blood. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, myself, I've, I've been very wishy-washy. I've, you know, that whole Oklahoma gate thing last year really, really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I just feel like you shouldn't try to duck an opponent no matter who you are. And I think the moment you do that, you're basically lying down and dying. That was but bad. That, that was bad. We could keep going with this, but I think this is a good place to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get into that. It'll be a whole other hour. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's not. Um, so, Mike Farrell, just, uh, I know you plugged yourself a little earlier, but where can people find you? Where do you want people to find you, if indeed you do want people to find you? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, not my home, but let's <laughs> stay online and find me at MikeFarrellSports.com. Um, the new Twitter handle is MFarrellSports. Uh, the new Instagram handle is MFarrellSports. Um, I got a YouTube channel, Mike Farrell Sports. I got Facebook, Mike Farrell Sports. I'm everywhere um, trying to keep up with it, all of it. And, you know, listen, I, I'm a little guy now fighting the fight. I'm, I'm one of you Nebraska fans. Like, right, used to be a big deal. Now I'm not. Hey, <laughs> solidarity. You're, you're a big deal to us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm saying like, listen, I'm, I'm the underdog. I'm the guy who went three and nine and lost every game by one last year. So why not back me instead of these other places that, you know, are all rich. I'm not rich. I want to be rich. Hey, amen, brother. Hey, absolutely. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. All right, guys, you heard the man go follow him on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that Facebook, Facebook. YouTube. Yeah. Go yeah. find them. You got um, merch. You got merch, Mike. Not yet. I'm, I'm going to have Godfather merch for sure. And okay. that's going to be funny because people will wash their car with it. They'll, they'll, they'll take a <laughs> dump on it. They'll do. They'll wipe their ass. <laughs> yeah. They'll do everything but wear it, but I should do cameos too. I could wish somebody a happy birthday and hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, just instantly honestly, ruin their birthday. <laughs> being hated has its perks, but but I'm not, I, you know, everybody thinks I'm this just absolute dickhead. I, I, I'm really not. You can ask Sean Callahan. I've known him for 25 years, <laughs> but I play one on TV and I will continue to do it because I don't give a crap what you think of my opinion. I don't care. I'll always be honest with you. Always tell you the truth. I have since the beginning. You may not want to hear it, especially if you're a Nebraska fan these, these yeah. last 10 years, but you're going to hear it. And that doesn't make me a bad person. It just kind of makes me honest. Yeah. Well, that's why I personally, that's why I follow you because I, I get real opinions. Unfiltered. Yes, it. unfiltered. And that's why I've followed you since you're probably one of the first people I followed when I got a Twitter. So like 
put that in perspective. Um, I mean, yes, that is, it's sometimes tough to stomach what a national recruiter or national opinion has to say about it, but sometimes it has to be said. And that's what we're trying to do here. The little, the little man, the little podcast that, you know, we, we have, we say things that not all Kool-Aid fans want to hear, but that's why, that's why we have some people who enjoy listening to us. I don't even know how many guys, you know, I think I asked you how many downloads you get and listeners and all that. I have got another Nebraska podcast that wants me on. I I'll just listen. I, I'll talk about anything to anybody at, at this point, but a lot of people don't want to hear it. You know, they, they yeah. don't want to hear it. And Nebraska is not winning the West next year. And that's just life, but it doesn't mean your football team sucks and they hate you. And I want, you know, all your children to die. It's just like, <laughs> well, that's because football <laughs> college football is life in Nebraska. You know how yeah. the bubble is. You know, so yeah. you know. know, you know how it is. This That's all we have. It's family, friends in Nebraska football. And when they suck, <laughs> it kind of sucks around here. <laughs> yeah, it does. It should. Hey, listen, up in stores, it sucks when UConn sucks. Yeah. Yeah. What else is that? Hey. Um, maybe I can do this and get away with it, Mike, because I'm assuming you're a fan. Um, Mike Farrell, the Godfather. <laughs> God, that was Thank awful. For, <laughs> for on. That, was, that was bad. <laughs> That was bad. <laughs> I know. The unfiltered that, opinion right there. Yeah. Just, listen, Godfather Part 2 is my favorite movie of all time. Okay, so and leave you, me alone. And you suck. <laughs> I saw his birthday today, too, so that's a good time to be on. Oh, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, again, again, thank you, Mike, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and opinions, and we really appreciate it so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you once again, Mike Farrell, for coming on No Block, No Rock. I really appreciate you not just hanging up on us when I was doing my Marlon Brando impersonation. It was really bad. <laughs> and it just solidified the, uh, the unfiltered opinions. You know right. what I mean? That was perfect. It's just, it was painful to hear because I love the Godfather part two. Just say, Hey, I loved our interview with Mike Farrell. So it was it's like the same thing. I'm like my passion for this interview and your passion with Godfather. Right? Yeah. And he uses the logo on his name and it's just, it was it's a beautiful thing. Chef's this kiss. This whole thing. Incredible stuff. Um, speaking of beautiful things, we have awesome merch on our Etsy store. Yeah, and it's on our website, <laughs> mbnrpodcast.com. And it's you go to the website, and the store is linked there. There used to be a screwed up link where we got different merch that's a little lower quality, I guess we could say. Yeah. But... It is officially linked there. So if you go to our website, nbnrpodcast.com, you will find past episodes as well. So please go there. After you buy some merch, go to Twitter. Go to at nbnrpodcast. You will find us. Follow us. Go to any podcast site that you get your podcast from. We're going to be there. Give us a five-star review. And just to piggyback on the on the merch thing, we want to thank all the people who purchased merch last week. Uh, we sold 16 of these awesome GBR hats. If you are a Husker fan, I'm telling you, I'm wearing one right now. Good quality, great looking hat. It's very clean, very simple. Embroidered. It's embroidered with yeah. a nice corn cob and a GBR right on the front and a hashtag MBNR on the back. I mean, you can't ask for a sleeker and better hat for a Husker fan. Absolutely right. Not only are you supporting us, but when you wear the hat, it's unmistakable who you root for. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. if you purchase any merch starting today, if you buy any merch from 
the No Block No Rock podcast merchandise site, um, including the people who bought last week. I will make sure I take care of all of you. But if you buy any merch, you do get a free NBNR koozie that has that GBR logo on the front with the NBNR podcast logo on the back. So please go out there, buy some merch, follow us on our socials. Yeah, with those koozies, you can listen to our cold takes while holding a cold beer. Oh, yeah. You betcha. All right, guys. Let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Connor Cavillac. And Kyle Byers. And as always, GBR. <laughs>